Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. We're going to spend a little time this morning talking about loving God's Word. Those two passages that were read for us just a few moments ago talked about God's Word, which I have loved. The truth is, is what a person seeks, he loves. And you can look and see what a person really loves by what they spend their time doing, what kind of uh, things they have interest in. Uh, With apologies to some of you, Uh, some of you love to play golf. You enjoy it. It's it's something that is uh, so attractive to you, you may do it several times a week. Others of you like to get your hook wet and love to fish. And every opportunity that you have, you go and catch fish. And again, with apologies to Brother Jacob. And then some of you ladies, you probably thought I was going to leave you out. Uh, Some of you enjoy shopping. You go to the store and you look around and you can spend hours looking and trying on clothes. Others may enjoy going on vacation. They may enjoy going to the beach and listening to the waves roar and to enjoy that uh, beauty of God's creation. But you see, what a person seeks is what he loves. Well, I want to spend a few minutes with you this morning with us taking some time to look at loving God's Word. We're going to talk about a legacy. We're going to talk about longing. We're going to talk about listening. And then finally, the living word. Let's talk about a legacy for just a moment. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. When you think about somebody leaving an inheritance, there are things that are passed down. It may be money or houses or land. And you leave something for your children and even sometimes your grandchildren. However, there's some other things that can't be bought that are left. In Proverbs 22, verse 1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. And then a Solomon goes on to say in Ecclesiastes 7, verse 1, a good name is better than precious ointment and the day of one's death and the day of one's birth. If you have been given a good name by your parents and grandparents, you ought to be thankful for what they have done for you and providing you that good name. Many times families demonstrate a legacy, if you will, in the fact that they continue to participate in the same family traditions, the same family business or careers. Uh, For instance, the Bush family Uh, Senator Prescott Bush had a son, George Herbert Walker Bush, who became President of the United States. He had a son, George W. Bush, that became President of the United States, a family with national public service. You see, there's a legacy that is left by these people. Well, for just a moment, I'd like for you to think with me about some biblical examples of a legacy that was left. In Jeremiah chapter 35, there's an illustration used by God in telling Jeremiah to go to the Rechabites 
and tell them to drink wine, put wine in front of them. However, they refused. And if you look at verses 6 and 8, it says, But they said, We will drink no wine, for Jonadab, the son of Rechem, our father commanded us, saying, You shall drink no wine, you nor your sons, forever. Verse 8, Thus we have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, and all that he charged us. You know what God used that example for? To point out that here's a family that has a tradition that listened to this great patriarch, Rechab, and they participated, they kept his word. And God said, but my people have not been keeping my word. Or you can go to the New Testament, to 1 Timothy chapter 1 or 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 5. He says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. And you get to chapter 3 and verse 14. He says, you continue in the things that you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And then he talks about from the fact that he was a child. He had known the Holy Scriptures. There are some families that have a legacy of being great Bible students. They teach their children and their children teach their children to love God's Word. Jesus himself provides for us a pattern, if you will. If you'll remember Luke chapter 2, verse 49, when he was about 12 years of age, he had remained in Jerusalem discussing the, with the doctors and the lawyers the law of God. And he said, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? I want to keep and know what my father has said and you keep reading in John chapter 14, verses 23 and 24. He said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. Jesus is saying, I want you to understand, there's the father's word, I've kept it. I want you to take it. I want you to keep it. John 8 and verse 29, he says, I always do those things that please him. And then in John 5 and verse 30, he said, I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. He provided for us a guidance and a direction. But as I think about this legacy being left for us of loving God's word, I think it's important for us to realize we have a written word. There's a fact that not only did God communicate himself to all kinds of men and all kinds of situations, but God wanted it written down for our benefit. Job in Job 19 in verse 23 said, Oh, that my words were written. Oh, that they were inscribed in a book. Guess what? They were. We've got the book of Job. Or you go back to the book of Deuteronomy. Chapter 31, verse 24. So it was when Moses had completed writing the words of the law in a book. When they were finished, 
That's where you get Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. In 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 25, then Samuel explained to the people the behavior of royalty and wrote it in a book and laid it up before the Lord. That's where you get 1 and 2 Samuel. That's where you get 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles. In Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 2, Thus speaks the Lord God of Israel, saying, Write in a book for yourself all the words that I have spoken to you. Guess where you get the book of Jeremiah from? And then jump in just one illustration from the New Testament. In Revelation chapter 1 and verse 11, he said, What you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. And that's where we get the book of Revelation. You see, we have a written message. There's a legacy been left for us. You know, my grandfather had a lot of sayings. And I think my kids think I have a lot of sayings. I borrowed some of them from my grandfather. But what is great when you have important things that have been written down in their own words and you know what they mean. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Now listen, here's the important part. Which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord was confirmed to us by those who heard him. That's where you get Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those men who actually heard the words of Jesus and wrote them as an account so that you and I could follow them. That's the legacy that's been left for us. But number two, I want to talk about longing Psalm 119, verse 20, My soul breaks with longing for your judgments at all times. Verse 131, I opened my mouth and panted, for I long for your commandments, just like a deer pants for the water. Or Psalm 119, verse 174, I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Longing is something that you desire, that you really want to have. We have objects of intense desire. One of the illustrations that is used is material wealth. We today would say we want money, but in biblical times they would use things like gold or silver. Also some things that you and I may tend to intensely crave is some food. It may be there's some type of food. It may be that there's food itself. I know that some of you have made it clear when we have fellowship meals, you want chocolate pie. You can have your part and you can have my part too. That's not something I crave. But some of you do. It's, a, it's an intense desire. Psalm chapter 19 verse 10 says, More to be desired are they than gold, yes, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Notice the gold and the silver and then the, the idea of the honeycomb. 
chapter 119, verse 103, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Verse 72, the law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of coins of gold and silver. Verse 127, therefore I love your commandments more than gold, yes, than fine gold. Job, in chapter 23, verse 12, puts it this way, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. You think about that for just a moment, more than my necessary food. Most of us today got up and we ate a very sumptuous breakfast. We'll probably eat again in just a couple of hours or so. And then we'll eat again tonight and we'll repeat the process all over again tomorrow. There's occasions when there's interruptions in our life. Maybe it's for a blood work at your doctor's office. Maybe it's for a surgery. And they tell you you can't eat, you can't drink for 24 hours. And then you have that intense desire for thirst, for hunger. I read about or heard about this morning a lady who had been hiking in Hawaii. She had been missing for 24 days. Do you imagine she lost about 20 pounds? Do you imagine she was hungry? Job said, I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. And Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so one works hard to try to get those things that he truly desires. Jesus illustrated in Matthew chapter 13, verses 45 and 46, about a man who was seeking beautiful or goodly pearls. He says when he found the pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. Things that you want. Maybe there's a car that you want. Maybe there's a, something that's important to you and you're willing to sell stuff to buy it. Proverbs 23, 23. Buy the truth and do not sell it. Jesus said in John 7 and verse 17, if any man wills to do his will, you want to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine. Someone may say, I wish I knew the Bible as well as you do or as well as this brother does. Do you long for it? Do you desire it enough to put in the effort and the time to obtain it? But we know there's some people who don't long for God's Word. In fact, they don't even want to hear it anymore. In Isaiah 28 and verse 13, here's how they were representing God's will. But the Word of the Lord was to them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. He said this is the way they look at it. It's just law after law after law after law and line after line after line. That's the only way they look at it. He says that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught. 
You see, when you don't love God's Word and you look at it as something boring, something unimportant, uh, not valuable, then what happens is you get to chapter 30, verse 10, who say to the seers, do not see, and to the prophets, do not prophesy to us right things, speak to us smooth things. Prophesy deceits. Tell us what we want to hear rather than what God's Word actually says. And then 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 10 tells us where this ends. He said, who with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive a love of the truth that they might be saved. Here are people who are going to perish. They're going to die lost because they don't love and long for God's word. Now for just a few minutes, let's talk about listening and learning. Listening and learning. Someone speaks and you hear the sound, but you don't listen. You don't get anything out of it. You just hear the noise. Minds are often made up. They don't want to hear the message because for them, they already know the answers. Proverbs 26 verse 12. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? There's more hope for a fool than for him. He already thinks he knows everything. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. Learning to trust God rather than trusting yourself. It's well illustrated in the unbelieving Jews. Jesus spoke of it in Matthew chapter 13. Again, it is illustrated in Acts 28, quoting Isaiah. He said, go to this people and say, hearing you will hear and not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive, for the hearts of this people have grown dull. And their ears, hard of hearing, their eyes they have closed lest they should see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn so that I should heal them. He said, there's some people who don't want to listen. They've got their ears closed. But if a person does listen, Jesus said in John 6 verse 45, it is written in the prophets and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes unto me. You've heard, you've learned, you've listened. In Jeremiah thirteen ten. This evil people who refuse to hear my words, who follow the dictates of their own or their hearts, and they've worshipped other gods, they listen to themselves. Who are you listening to? Are you opening up the scriptures? Do you love it enough to listen to what it says? Let me point out to you that sometimes people wish they had an opportunity all over again. 
I know that many of us have lost our parents and our grandparents. And we would love once again to be able to sit down and have a conversation. How did you do what you did? You didn't have all of the modern conveniences that you and I have. And yet look at what you were able to do in life. You wish you could go back and have that conversation again. You wish you had listened a little more. Using a biblical example, what about the prodigal son? You know, he received his inheritance. He went to a far country. There he wasted it in riotous living. And then he comes to himself and he says, you know, I wish I'd listened to my father. I wished I had loved what he said enough to have learned before I had to learn the hard way. That's the reason why Solomon says in Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1, Remember now your Creator. In the days of your youth, before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Thus you take heed how you hear and what you hear. You can pair together two wonderful passages, Luke 8, 18, Mark 4, 24. And there we read very simply, Therefore take heed how you hear. Then verse 4, chapter 4, verse 24. Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. Are you listening to God or are you listening to man? And if you're listening to God, how are you listening? Are you grasping something from it? Mark 9 verse 13, Jesus made a very simple statement yet so profound when he said, But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You need to go and study and learn what this means and listen to God's word. Now finally, the fourth aspect of this lesson is living. God's word is not a dead letter. Oh, there's a lot of people who would have us believe that, you know, the books of at least a couple thousand years old and older, maybe 4,000 years old in other places. And it's such a, a book that has things of another culture, another nation, another people, and another time. And you say, well, it's just not relevant to us. It's a dead letter. But Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's living. It's active. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23, having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now, the word of God is a living document. Not only is it living, it's life-giving. For the Caleb chose a song, Wonderful Words of Life. That's a great song. It reflects John 6, 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. 
The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Verse 68, Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Psalm 119, verse 93, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have given me life. Some of us might not even be living today physically were it not for the fact that we tried to pattern our lives and follow the teachings of Scripture. Had we gone along with the secular world, we might would have chosen habits, we might would have chosen pathways that would have led to an early demise. But I don't think that's the emphasis here. God's Word provides everything that you and I need for life and godliness. How should I live my everyday life? God's Word shows me. I need to be honest. I need to be truthful. I need to be the kind of person who does what I say I will do. 2 Peter 1 and verse 3, As divine power is granted or given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His glory and virtue. And Psalm 119, verses 98 through 100, You through your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your precepts. Did you notice he talks about his enemies? He said, I'm smarter than them because I follow God's law. I have more understanding than my teachers. Why? Because your testimonies are my meditation. I have more understanding than the ancients. That's the old people. Because I keep your precepts. Now for just a moment, I like to make things a little practical. What kind of things should you and I do to start loving and keep loving God's divine word? Read it, study it, and meditate on it. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, Till I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Yes, you need to be a daily Bible reader. Whether you have it on your phone, whether you have it on a tablet, whether you have it in a, a paperback, or whether you have it as a nice leather-bound Bible, you ought to have it somewhere close to you so that you can read it regularly. Then you need to take some time to study and say, Do I know what this passage is talking about? Read it two or three times. Read other passages relating to it. But then when you go away, you think, now what does that passage mean in my life? How do I need to make application of it? A second thing, memorize. You know, there's a lot of reason for teachers trying to get us to memorize poetry and other things in school. Because if you commit things to memory, it stays with you. When you think about the words of Scripture that you have memorized, Psalm 119 verse 11 said, Your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Here I find myself encountering a temptation. 
How will I deal with it? I've got God's Word in my mind. I memorize it. I say, no. Or if it's something righteous, I say, yes. We respect it. We honor it. Malachi 1 verse 6, he talks about a son honors his father, a servant his master. And God said, if I'm the master, where's my reverence? If God spoke these words, and he did, 2 Timothy 3.16, then you and I ought to respect them as being his word. But then I need to be willing to share them with other people. There's a wonderful illustration found in 2 Kings chapter 7. The army of the Assyrians had come down and uh, they were encamped and the people were in the walled cities just uh, starving to death. You have these lepers who are outside and they say, you know, what are we going to do? If we stay here, we're going to starve. So what we're going to do, we're going to throw ourselves on the mercy of this army invading army when they get there they realize that god had caused the sound to be made and they ran and they find all the food there and they said you know what verse 9 we're not doing right this is a day of good news and we remain silent if we wait until morning then some punishment will come to upon us now therefore come let's go and tell the king's household let's tell the good news If you love God's word, you love what it says, you share it with somebody else. May God's word be ever near us. I think Deuteronomy chapter 30 verses 11 through 14 captures it so well. He says, the commandment which I command you this day is not too mysterious for you. It's not too far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, who will ascend into heaven and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you'll say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you, in your mouth, in your heart, that you may do it. Very simply, John eight thirty one and 32, he says, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And may we always be wise enough to do what we know we ought to do. Matthew chapter 7, the wise man built his house on the rock, the foolish man built his house on the sand. He said, I'm going to liken the man who hears these sayings of mine and does them to the wise man. I'm going to liken the man who hears these sayings of mine and doesn't do them to the foolish man. We're going to sing, Just As I Am. And it's possible here that you're not a Christian this morning. And you've been thinking about, I need to obey the gospel. I know what I need to do. I need to believe that Jesus is God's Son, repenting of my sins, confessing my faith, and being baptized. We're ready to assist you this morning. If you're a Christian and you know that you've got sin in your life and you want to make it right with God, let's pray together. Would you come while together we stand and sing?